0: everyone's doing what's comfortable. So it's not until you do something that that is really taking a risk and feels edgy for you that you start to step into those places where the rewards lie. Hello, and welcome to Pillars
1: of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, I'm excited to have David Wood. David, how are you doing today?
0: I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm glad to meet you and thanks for having me on the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank thank you for for joining us. So a little bit about David, he's a former consulting actuary to Fortune 100 companies. He built the world's largest coaching business and became becoming number 1 on Google for life coaching and coaching thousands of hours in 12 countries all uh, around the globe. Are, can you speak multiple languages? Or is there, or is there 12 countries that speak
0: English? <laughs> I, can, I can fake it in, in a number of languages. Uh, I do actually, uh, or I did speak basic Balinese, uh, polite Balinese, common Balinese, uh, some Indonesian. I just had Indonesian subtitles on last wow. night, watching a movie, c- just to see if I could pick just up some. Enough. And I speak Spanish badly, so I, I know um, I can get by in in some.
1: Where where are you? Where, where are you from originally? Where did you grow up? Australia, little country town, two yeah. hours north of Sydney. I, th- I mean the accent. I thought Australia, but I I didn't want to assume, but. It's yeah. it's interesting. People, uh, I've got some friends that are from. Uh, I got I got a really good friend that's from Germany, and he speaks multiple languages. Um, and I've got a and his wife, same thing. And I've got a couple other friends that are from other countries, and they speak multiple languages. And here in yeah. the US, we speak it, one. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's not quite the same in Australia. Like in Europe, you grow up learning uh, your neighboring languages. In yeah. Australia, we don't have any neighboring languages. Yeah, yeah. But I've I uh, I left home back in 93 and came to New York and the company gave me private lessons in Spanish, which, which was awesome. Mm. And then I finally went to Colombia two years ago to practice it. 20 years after I learned Spanish, I went to immerse myself and see if I could actually get fluent. And I got fluent with the speaking. My superpower is not in comprehension so I can learn how to speak it quickly, but I I can understand it like everyone else. So they start speaking rapidly at me and I'm like, like in German, that line I just said was, unfortunately, I'm unable to speak German fluently. But when I say that fluently, they don't believe me. So it's, it's a bit of a game.
1: That's funny. That's funny. It, 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 language is interesting. I would love to, to uh, hone in on my Spanish skills. I, I was actually really good at it. I could not speak it actually very well, but I could hear it extremely well. Ah, and my, my, my neighbor... Uh, that I grew up with. I, uh, my my best friend growing up, his parents, one was from Cuba, the other was from Peru, and they would speak Spanish to me all the time. And so I could hear what they were saying, and but I would answer back in English. And as, for as much as they told me answer in Spanish, I could just never answer in Spanish.
0: So you and I should travel together. We'd yeah. Be great. I can speak. You can understand.
1: Uh, that's good. That's good. Uh, well, Uh, man, it's, you've got a, you've got some, uh, amazing challenges you've been through. It sounds like, uh, you, you fractured your spine in a paraglider accident. Uh, you know, you had an unfortunate, a passing of your sister at age seven. Uh, there's your bio says a national gong show. I'm not sure what that is, but, uh, it sounds interesting.
0: Yeah, (laughs) imagine a TV show where people come on to perform and someone's waiting with a big gong, ready to gong you off in the first 10 seconds if you, if you suck. So it's, it's quite humiliating. It's very entertaining. And um, I did that to promote my business at the time I decided to be an entertainer. I thought mm. I, and I think everyone should ask themselves this question periodically, if I had six months to live, what would I do? Mm. What would I do with my time? And the answer back in 1997 was I would be an entertainer. I'd be one of those those guys at the ski fields. It's playing the guitar, puts on a black Afro and sings, blame it on the boogie or a blonde <laughs> ABBA wig and sings SOS and gets the whole crowd singing piano man. And I wanted to be that guy. So I went and did that and as part of promoting it I auditioned for a, a national television show and back then we only had five channels this was before cable so this was a big <laughs> deal everyone was watching this show and uh, before I went on stage I started to get uh, terrified and then I was worried I was going to pee my pants and I was wearing a kilt. Jesus oh, I'm wearing a kilt. So now I'm, now I'm terrified about peeing my pants on national television. And I actually lost three drops came out, just three drops before I got bladder control. And I fortunately had my overnight bag with me. And I put on two extra pairs of underpants, just hoping that that might do something. So the, the point of this story is if, I'm, if I can do that, if I can go out with a bad singing voice and sing on national television to promote my business uh, or grow my wealth, what are you willing to do? Uh, What's Where's your edge and what are you willing to do that might be a little scary?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Stepping out of your comfort zone. It's something I really try to have my kids do. And I've always tried to like, figure okay what what can we do next to get them to step out of their comfort zone like how can I challenge them more and I think that's so valuable I love that like six months what if you got six months left to live like what what are some things that you would really want to focus on and do and okay now let's implement some of that stuff into your life I I think that's that's yeah I,
0: I asked it again um about seven years ago I thought you know, I wasn't happy where I was. And I thought, what would I do if I had six months to live? And the answer then was spend more time in Bali. So Mm -hmm. I, I didn't just drop everything and move to Bali. I went to Bali to see how it felt and it felt so good. And people said, do you live here? And I kept saying no. And then I thought, well, what would it be like to say yes? What would that feel like? So I started saying, yeah, sure I do. And it felt pretty good. So I went back, sold everything I had, got two suitcases and moved to Bali for two and a half years and immersed myself in the rice fields. And um, no one learns Balinese, by the way. If you go to Bali, no one learns Balinese except the Balinese. Everyone learns Indonesian because you can use that in 10,000 islands. So Mm -hmm. I, I would actually create my own training course. I would buy a book, read out the English part and pay a local to read out the Balinese part. And I'd create audios. To do it. Wow. So um, that was the second time I asked that question, and the third time I've asked it is as recently, as recently as, as yesterday. What would I do if I had six months to live and something that's always been on my bucket list, and I don't tell many people about it. I, I mean, I've never said it on 180 interviews that I've done on a podcast. But well, here we go. But here we go. I want to move to Los Angeles and live the life of an actor for hmm. one to two years. I want to do a, a like a school, a proper school, and get trained as an actor. I want to audition. I don't think I even care very much if I get any gigs. Uh, I want to be the one actor, uh, hmm. if this is possible, who's not attached to getting any work because I'll be getting my income somewhere else. I just yeah. want to live that life. So that's that's the latest. Oh, that's
1: really cool. That's, uh, I mean, that's, You know, that's creating a life of, of your own, right. That's creating the life that you want when you're asking those questions and you can go, that's what I want to do. And then go do them. You're you're truly creating a life that you can, you know, you can be proud of, you can be excited for, and you're stepping out of the comfort zone all the time, which I think every time we step out of our comfort zone, we, we grow so much more um, as a person. And, and so many of us and myself included, Uh, just stay in that comfort zone because it's comfortable. It's easy. That's what we've been doing.
0: Um, Yeah. And as Alex Mandosian pointed out, who's an amazing marketing expert in the US, he said, the rewards, the really good rewards lie on the other side of your comfort zone Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because everyone's doing what's comfortable. Yep. So it's not until you do something that, that it's really taking a risk and feels edgy for you that you start to step into those places where the rewards lie. Uh, one thing I did that was very uncomfortable, uh, well, public speaking. A lot of people understand that you know, fear of public speaking is people's number one fear. And um, it definitely was for me. I'm terrified when I get in front of an audience and someone asked me, would you come and speak to 1,200 people? Uh, and fly to the West coast. And I said, I said, no, <laughs> originally, um, I, I, just didn't, it didn't sound that appealing to me. And then I looked at my wall and it said, this is the year of public speaking <laughs> for you. And I'm like, uh, ha, okay, <laughs> let's do that. And I, and I went and, um, I had to learn how to speak, how to sell from the stage. I didn't know about that. And so someone coached me and I didn't even have a product to sell, and, and I had to create a product. I went and did it. We sold in 15 minutes after that speech, we sold $127,000 wow. worth of training.
1: Wow. And then
0: the second speech we gave, there were less people in the audience. There were only 1,000 people for that one. And we sold $333,000 worth of training in 15 minutes. Wow from that. So, and I had to do so many uncomfortable things for that. So the rewards do lie uh, just outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. So just David, you coach uh, high performing
1: business owners to double their revenue. But one thing I think is, is very different from what most people do is one of your focuses is on having less and being Thirty percent more courageous in their business career. So, talk about like what, what does that mean? Uh, what, what's that philosophy all about? How do we double our revenue and and yet focus on less? And you know,
0: yeah. Well, most of my clients, uh, I, I work with business owners who are already up and running, got a great product or or service, sure. and they and they're already doing well, but they want to go faster. They want to go faster and higher. And so they're like, you know, what am I not seeing that would help yeah. me do that? And when I ask them what they want, almost universally, if they're honest, they want more money. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. great. More money is better than less money. So let's start there. So let's double your revenue. And over 12 months, that's that's a fair, fair size goal. But the next thing I ask is, how much time off do you want? Yeah. How many like like do you want to work 60 hour weeks? Do you want to work 40 hour weeks? Do you want to work Uh, a 10 hour week. So that's the second goal. And most people do want more time off. Uh, So they're working smarter, not harder. And if you want that, if you want more money and more time off, one thing that can really help is courage. And we just talked about how the rewards lie just outside your comfort zone. Well, to get there, you have to be you have to be courageous. You have to do something, usually a little scary. And what I want for people is three things. I want, yes, you double your revenue. I want, yes, that you double your time off. And I want you to be the extraordinary version of yourself that you want to be. Now, what does that mean? Well, one thing, and we talked about this a little bit in the pre-interview before, before we started recording,
1: yeah.
0: one thing is courage if you can be 30% more courageous and lean into your fears and practice deliberate discomfort, then um, I believe that is extraordinary because a lot of people are living in their comfort zone. So if you are just 30% more courageous, you're already stepping into extraordinary. And then the second pillar of that is, is truth. How truthful are you? We learned at an early age to to lie, basically. And in fact, psychologists will say this is an important part of a child's evolution. When they first learn to lie, that's showing the brain can do new things now they couldn't do before.
1: But tell me, my my kids have brilliant brains every time they lie to
0: me. There you go.
1: Yeah. Oh, I I see. I hear I discipline them for that. But yet I should be praising them.
0: (laughs) Well, psychologists say. (laughs) psychologists say celebrate. Um, But but as we get older, I realize that lying because I did something wrong, uh, it's a self-preservation mechanism. So it's, it's important. For example, if, if I'm, I'm at, um, at the US border, uh, this was before I had a green card, they say, are you planning to do any work in the US, Mr. Wood? No. No. Now I work on my laptop all the time. Of course, I'm going to be checking email and whatever. But if I start talking about that, it might end up I'm denied Mm -hmm. at the border. Mm -hmm. So there are some times when it's useful, it's maybe not noble. But I think there's a lot of nobility in sharing the truth, particularly when we could lose something. Mm There's something about saying no at, at the, bo- saying yes at the border. Yes, I'm going to work on my laptop. I'll be checking emails and whatever. Is that okay? There's something noble about that. And so I say, what would it be like if you were 30% more truthful? What if you did something um, that your business partner might be upset about and you've been holding on to it for a, a, a week, a month, or five years? What if you came clean and said, hey, there's something I wanna confess, something I did that, that broke an agreement and I wanna make it right with you and check for impact. That's a leadership move. That's a connection move. That's an extraordinary move. And we can practice more truth with our partner. Hey, this, this, I'd like more touch. I wonder if you're interested in exploring that. That's edgy that, and it requires courage to be more truthful. No. Um, so anyway, lots of examples, but I think courage is one of the pillars of being extraordinary. Truth is another pillar. And then you came up with one before we hit record, which is service. Yeah. And I think that's true. People who, people who are courageous, we want to watch them. We want to be around them. We watch movies about them. People who tell the truth, Particularly when when it looks like there's no reason to and it's totally scary. We want to be around them. We admire them. And people who have service, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, we, we worship them. We idolize them. We wanna we wanna be them in some way. I know I do. So um this doesn't mean that you should go out and sell all of your items and give it to charity overnight or that you have to suddenly face every single fear or you have to tell your deepest darkest secrets to everybody uh in the next 24 hours i'm not saying that that's yeah. why i say what would 30 percent more truth look like for you take a risk what would 30 percent more courage look like for you and here's a great exercise todd uh for listeners if you want to take a piece of paper and a pen right at the top of the page. What would I do if I was fearless? Hmm. Not, you don't have to be fearless, but just what would I do? What would it look like in my business? Maybe there's a celebrity you'd ask for an endorsement. I know for, for years I've wanted to interview Alan Alder. I finally got around to pitching him last month. Um, are there 10 prospects you would call for your business? Is there a deal? you wanna do with somebody, Uh, some alliances, some affiliates that you'd love to have promote your business. What does it look like to be fearless? And I recommend having one page for business and a second page for personal. What would I say to my partner if I was fearless? What would I say to my kids, to my friends, my business partner, my, my customers? At least let's find out. And then you might want to go through and just circle two or three that'd be a bit edgy, but not over the top. And then if those go pretty well, um, you might take on more on the list. Yeah, no,
1: I think that's I think that's really great uh, when you talk about getting outside of that comfort zone, having that courage. I mean, so it, we get so stuck in our ways, like we already said. I mean, it's just it's just so easy to and so. Um, yeah, being able to step out. And I love being able to be, can you be 30% more courage, courageous? Can you be 30% more truthful? And a lot of times we don't even realize that we're not being courageous, that we're not being truthful. So I, I'm assuming that you think that then just playing it safe and kind of doing what you're typically, you know, a lot of people can play it safe and be fairly successful. Like, why do you, why is that, why is that a bad thing? Why? Why do well, we? why shouldn't we not?
0: Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how true that is. I'd love to see statistics if we could get it. Um, I think. I think people who play safe all the time. Um, sure, there'll be some outliers. There'll be some who are successful, but but you, you know, there's so many stories. We have Walt Disney approached. I think he got turned down by 300 banks. Some crazy thing like that. They're like, you you want to create a theme park and charge people to get in? No one had done it. Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup. You know, at least 158 publishers turned down he and Mark Victor Hansen. You know, I assume that required a lot of courage to keep on trucking, keep on going. No, we're not going to see. so. And and here's the other thing, Todd. The comfort zone can get pretty uncomfortable over time. And I think I've said, what would it what would you do if you had six months to live? I think another great question is, if I was on my deathbed tomorrow, what would I regret? Would I feel that I fully lived life? Because that's a real eye opener. I had my paraglider collapse, I plummeted from 300 feet above the earth towards the earth with a full collapse of my paraglider and right today I'm 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 walking but it it's a bit of an eye opener has you think wait a minute I don't know how long I'm going to live my life expectancy is probably another it's probably another 30 years it's, it's pretty awesome but I don't know if I'm going to make it uh, to the end of the year yeah i mean you should have been dead when your paraglider, I mean, yeah, well, three hundred yeah,
1: feet. I mean, that's that's amazing. Yeah,
0: well, the thing with with a paraglider or a hang glider, if is if you're plummeting towards the earth, you want height. So, um, if if it was happened at three thousand feet, I'd be I'd be fine because I'd have a, a reserve chute and I'd be able oh, to. I, I I've had plenty of time to reinflate the paraglider mm. or I've got a reserve chute, right. But whenever experienced pilots, I tell them I had a collapse. They, they don't even blink. They say, oh, how high were you? I say 300 feet. All of them react. They say, holy shit, 300 feet. I think your chances are you're going to die. You're not going to reinflate. Now I managed to reinflate the wing oh, and did. and the oh. worst I had was a, a fractured spine, um, which, which healed really well. But the, the thing is, once you know hey, I don't know how long I have. I don't know if I'll make it till the end of this day or the end of this year. It can focus the mind. Uh, and you could just imagine. You, so here's another exercise. Imagine you're on your deathbed tomorrow and you're looking back. What are you proud of? And what do you regret? Those are clues for how to live your life. And a lot of people, um, there's a book called uh, Something of the Dying, Um, where a hospice nurse said what people regretted most, and one thing that 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 they said, if I have this right, is that I wish I'd risk more. Hmm. I wish I'd risk more. I wish I'd lived more of my life instead of living for other people, which takes courage. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm not trying to get morbid. Just trying to trying to get us all to think. Am I happy with how I'm living my life? And what do I really want to live so that when that moment comes and I'm looking back over life and I, and I'm, it's time to go, I can say, I gave it everything. I really fully lived.
1: Are there any risks that you've taken? or are there anything? Is there anything that you stepped out and did that's, that was courageous that you regret that you say, man, I wish I would have played it safe there.
0: Wow. Wow, what a great question. Once, once I, I was asked, and I have sometimes asked other people, if you had a time machine, you could go back and change anything. Mm. Yeah. Would you, would you, would you, ch- what would you change? And for me and the, and the person asking it, we really looked and, and there was almost nothing that we would change because who knows what else I'm going to lose in my life. If I go back and change something in time, I'm not going to have the life I have now. You know, it might be worse. So there was very little, even even the horrendous experiences and the horrendous decisions, because that's how I learned not to do it. So something that I've I've taken a risk and I wish I could take it back. You know, there was one time... um, when I was dating someone. And, um, and I, I hadn't broken an agreement, but it it could have been broken, breaking an implied agreement. And I, I shared it. And, uh, and she um, had such a strong reaction, such a strong, violent reaction to it. I reconsidered in the moment, I was like, was this a good move? Because I hadn't actually broken an agreement. Was I sharing too much information here? Um, and it was, a, it was a real scene. It was very uncomfortable. That maybe. But the reason I say maybe is because maybe that's what needed to happen. Yeah. Maybe yeah. she needed to have that reaction and, and really freak out and show me more of who I was dating. And, and we get to have a conversation about what is okay. And what's not okay, and tighten up the agreements. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you know, now I'm older and smarter. I'd be surprised if I'd get myself into that situation now because I'm um, very transparent. I say, let's talk about our agreements what, what's okay for me to do, what's okay for you not to do, what's not preferable, but, we're, but we'll live with it. Like I'll have those conversations, and yep. my integrity is still not 100%. Uh, and that's me being truthful. It's still not 100%. You know, sometimes I still download a movie from a questionable site and, and, and I'm not paying the ro- like Happy Days, for example. Here's an example. I made a commitment recently that I wouldn't download pirated um, shows. And then, and then I could not find Happy Days anywhere on, online, um, except for this website that's streaming it that I'm sure has not, is not paying uh, Paramount for the royalties. So that's questionable, right? It's, it's like, it's, so I don't have hundred percent integrity, but as I get older, it gets cleaner. Yeah, It gets cleaner. I tidy things up. Oh, you know what? That feels off. Hey, I'm not sure if this is okay with you. Can we talk about it and see if it's okay? Like, I think that's a good direction to, to move in.
1: David, what's a mistake that you've made in your business? Um, and how have you learned from it?
0: One mistake that I think I made, and, and again, we can come back to would I change it? Um, if I could go back in time, I made the mistake, I think, of targeting a market that didn't have a lot of money. Hmm. So I was helping um, coaches for a long time, people kept coming to me, how did you create the successful coaching business? How do you work from home? How do you have location, freedom, time, freedom, financial freedom, emotional freedom. I finally wrote a book on it called get paid for who you are. But one mistake was they they didn't have a lot of money. They're in startup mode. Mm. And so they're not producing revenue. Sure. And so I'm like, well, I, I can help you do that. But it took me years to realize that from their point of view, they don't know if this is going to work. It's startup. 80% of them are going to fail, you know, any new business, those are the stats. And so in their mind uh, for them to pay me 2000 a month, didn't make sense. And I finally got this. I'm like, this doesn't make sense unless you got savings stashed away or you're super confident about your success. Um, so I learned from that to work with a target market that is already producing revenue. They're already up and running. There is no 80% chance of failure, they're already doing well. So for me to help them bump revenue by 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 a month, 20,000 a month, it's not that hard. Yep. And so I'm producing almost guaranteed value. And that's just a, a, a much more sensible financial proposition. So I think that was a mistake that I made. The other, second mistake that I made was sticking with it too long. Hmm. I worked with coaches for about uh, maybe 18 years and I worked way past the point where I'd said everything that I wanted to say. And um, so I finally let that go. And that, that wasn't, it wasn't an overnight decision. It was like a, over three or four years. I just, I had nothing to say. I even stopped emailing my list of 150,000 people and let that list just atrophy and die and shrink down to 10,000 because I was burned out on a target market that I'd already said everything I had to say. So those are two errors. It's interesting that, you know, you, you mentioned
1: you did that for 18 years and um, it, it didn't take you 18 years to figure it out, but you kept on doing it anyways. You kept, it sounds like you kept on uh, working with these coaching or these, these coaches, even though you knew, uh, the issue at hand. It's interesting that we we tend to do that. I've done that same thing myself at times, where it just you just continue doing something that it's like this doesn't make sense anymore.
0: Yeah, it was a golden handcuff, right? Because it was working, and I and I'd created ten to fifteen information products, and and I was number one on Google for life coaching for a couple of years, um, and I was. I was, uh, I had doubt about the success of something new, right? Which makes sense. So it was uncomfortable. And I was like, what am I going to do now? What I'd wanted to do for years, and I said sort of wanted to work with people on life issues. I wanted to work with them on being extraordinary and work with them on courage. And I thought, I don't know if people are going to pay me for that. People know I'm a successful coach and they, and I know they're they're willing to pay me for um, helping them build a coaching business. And I was known for that. So all this was set up and it was fairly comfortable. That's why it was hard for me to switch. It took atrophy. It took my subconscious saying, I just don't want to even face this. It took moving to the rice fields of Bali and then having the universe kick me out of my little comfortable bubble that I created and I had to reinvent myself. And the universe was giving me clues, like a friend who said, why don't you go back to coaching? You're a really good coach. And I'd stopped coaching. I was just doing my information products and everything. And he said, you're a really good coach. I'll send an email for you. I said, wait a minute, don't mess with me here. Cause he had a, he had a huge email list. I'm like, you serious? You'll send an email if I, if I go back to coaching, this is a sign I'm gonna do it. So then I had to work out who do I want to work with now, if I can work with anybody. And business owners are so fun, Todd. So fun. I, last year, I coached a lot of executives. I was coaching vice presidents at Warner Brothers, uh, managers, directors at companies like Square and Salesforce and, and Facebook. And I did it because I wanted to see what it was like. And I thought it might be really lucrative and really fun. No, it wasn't fun. Hmm. It wasn't fun at all. For me, you know, a couple of times we'd get real and get really personal, but when the company's paying for it, whole different ballgame. Mm. So I, I, I realize I love people who are running the show. They, they've got all the hats. They're working at, you know, how to be extraordinary and how to live their life. And they're scattered. They're scattered and I can help them clarify and focus on less and actually um, have more.
1: And they truly want you. And that, so that makes so much sense when, yeah. Cause, cause the people that are the, the VPs or, or, uh, you know, they they're being told they have to have you
0: in their well, life. And, fortunately, the ones that I was working on um, with most of them had opted in. So that okay. was something yep. You're right. If they have been told, Hey, you, you know, you need to work with a coach. I, then I got to win them over. And, and that's, that's it's possible but it's not a fun game for me yeah. but but they opted in but they're not paying for it there's nothing at stake and it's nice to get things for free but you know you usually value what you pay for and there needs to be some sting to it yeah. i don't want to break the bank there's a sweet spot where it's got some sting if someone asks they'll say oh i'm paying good money for this you know this is not cheap so that they're committed to getting value Yep. Right? If they're paying something that doesn't really mean anything to them, it's hard to get people to show up for their coaching calls. It's hard to get them to change behavior. It's hard to get them to really take the action they've been putting off. But when they're paying good money, they can't justify it to themselves or anyone else to, to have a coach and not take the coaching. So there's really something to that. Yeah.
1: This has been really good so far. I've got, a, I've got a couple last questions that I want to ask before we wrap up. Um, what's a favorite book that you can recommend to our listeners?
0: Favorite book. Are you going for a business book or can it be any kind of book? It can be any kind of book. Possibly my favorite book of all time. And I, I do lean towards the fantasy genre and anything involving magic, but this one's more low key. They, they kind of explain things and justify things to my left brain as well name of the wind. I've read it three times. I've listened to the audio books four times and I miss it. I miss it when I'm not Hmm. reading. I miss the character. Um, It's it's very popular. It's by Patrick Rothfuss, name of the wind. And he's written two books. Both of them are brilliant. And we've been waiting for eight to 10 years for book number three. And I don't know if we're ever going to get it. But I tell you what, when it comes out, um, it'll be like the Ender's Game movie coming out for me. I'll be like, oh, my God, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read. I might even read it out loud. I'm going to read it word for word. He, he's, it's basically poetry. Anyway, I'm a huge fan of that book.
1: Oh, that's good. Nobody will hear no from other book for I've days. read three times. <laughs> What's that? I said, nobody will hear from you for days when that new book comes out.
0: <laughs> well, unfortunately, I'll probably read it in 24 hours. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> but I'll read it more than once. Yeah, that's good. That's great. Um, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Well, again, I'm, I'm biased towards the personal. I'm biased towards self-expression and, and leadership so I think I would say the three pillars of wealth creation that, that I care about are the three pillars of being extraordinary. And those are what we've talked about, uh, courage, truth, and service. If you just, just lean into those 30% more, I say you're going to make more money.
1: Yeah,
0: You're going to make more money and more people are going to want to be around you They will be drawn to you. One of the things I feel most proud of in my life was being nominated to and voted into the Transformational Leadership Council, which is uh, one day, Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup and John Gray from Mars and Venus and a bunch of other thought leaders said, we need a place where we can come together as family and support each other in what we're doing in the world. Uh, And they only take five members a year at the moment, so it's like really hard to, to get into. And when I found out about it, I made it my life's goal to, to join. And uh, Marianne Williamson, presidential candidate, was, was, was a member of this group. And, and I got voted in and I believe, I can't prove it, but I believe that one of the reasons that these amazing people were willing and to hang out with me as a peer was because of my truth telling even the first event that I went to and I was so freaking out. I, I stood up and I just truth bomb. I just dropped it in front of everybody. I said, I want to be here partly because you guys are all famous and I'm hoping some of it's going to rub off on me. And I'm so starstruck. And I really want to impress you and want you to like me. Just laid it all out. And they didn't kick me out. And I, <laughs> and I, um, Again, I'm not saying you have to go to that level straight away, but it feels good ultimately to do something yeah. like that. And you tend to draw the people who need to be around you and who you need to be around as you practice more of that truth-telling. The more that you withhold, the more you're, you're trying to kind of fake it with the universe. And um, yeah. the brain doesn't have a billionth of the information it needs to make the correct choice. It just doesn't yes. have it. Now, we'll still try and manipulate everything, but it doesn't have it. So if you tell the truth, you're allowing the universe to work out what should happen. And for sure, that's going to take some courage. That's awesome.
1: Well, look, David, I really appreciate you joining us. and A ton of ton of awesome value. A great conversation. I could keep going for a while here. This, this has been amazing. A lot of really things to think about uh, for the listeners. Uh, I really like, you know, just thinking about what does it mean to be extraordinary? You know, how can you do 30% more of those, of those three pillars, you know, the courage, the truth and the service, how can you really, really grow in your courage and and start taking risks and, and stop being in those, that same comfort zone that you've been in. So I really love it. I love the philosophy. How can our listeners, learn more about, you know, you and what you've got going on and and connect.
0: Yeah. Thank you. uh, I've created a gift basket of goodies for listeners. Now, one is, uh, and this is new for me to mention this on a podcast, but I'm writing a book called Name That Mouse, because the elephant isn't the only animal in the room. And it's basically a guide to being extraordinary, being that badass leader and human that people want to be around by practicing artful truth-telling and you can get yourself uh, a copy of the trailer for the book we're creating a kickstarter campaign you can join that just a few dollars be part of creating this book Um, you can also get on a call with me for 15 minutes if something resonated with you and you're thinking hey maybe coaching is going to help me accelerate i'm i'm ready Um, i do a 15 minute call and we'll see if we're a fit yeah Um, there's also a cheat sheet on how to get twice as much done in half the time and a video on how to really apply. it. It's just a six minute video. So really good goodies. And you can get all of these at this one link that'll take you to a hidden page on my website. So if you just go to focus.ceo, which is my website, you'll see some really cool stuff, but you won't see this hidden page. And the link for that is myfocusgift.com you go to myfocusgift.com, it'll take you straight to that hidden page on my website. Um, and you can join my mailing list if you want to get a couple of videos. You can join my podcast, Extraordinary Focus, if you want to listen to me as well as the amazing Todd, um, myfocusgift.com.
1: That's awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, again, thanks for, thanks for sharing all this stuff with us. And um, it, it's been great. And I challenge all the listeners to really, think about you know where where can you step out? where can you be courageous? where can you add truth and service. So uh, really appreciate it, David, and you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thanks, Todd.